Hello, welcome to the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by Dean Rule from Stillwater. Uh, Dean, interesting game last night. The Cowboys seemed seemed game for about a half, uh, but then Kansas sort of imposed their will kind of toward the end. Uh, what's kind of the recap of what you saw last night? Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking at the box score right now in front of me, Patrick. And if you look at just the offensive numbers from OSU, you would have thought that they had a great chance to win this game. Um, but but really, it's it's the strong suit of this team has always been the defense this year. And that's kind of what fell apart there at the end. Uh, you know, Mike Boynton didn't hold back. He said they, they at points, it didn't feel like they were finishing out plays. They were going after defensive rebounds. And, and even watching that game, it, it felt like there were quite a few 50-50 balls but they were not being distributed 50-50. Uh, it felt like Kansas was getting a lot of those, a lot of second-chance points, or second-chance opportunities, I, I think is a better word to use there. Um, and then turnovers is, has been an issue. It comes and goes, peaks and valleys for, for this OSU team, but last night, uh, I think it, it killed them. They, they had 15 turnovers. Kansas got 16 points off that, uh, 40 points in the paint for KU, and, and I think the – the most interesting number, uh, fast breaks. KU, 20 points on fast breaks. OSU with only five. Um, and, and that's the thing. When you play a team like Kansas, who's able to move so quick and play so fast, you can't try to beat them at their own game. Uh, and, and, and at points, I, I felt like OSU was trying to do that, and that's what led to kind of some some careless mistakes, some, some bad possessions that – you know, would lead to a turnover or lead to a, a bad shot attempt. And Kansas would just fly back down the court, put up an easy basket and uh, and, and pull away there. And so I think that, that that's what you're seeing there. Um, it feels like OSU somewhat squandered a, a, a golden opportunity, especially, I mean, that's the most packed I think I've ever seen Gallagher Arena, Patrick. They, they listed attendance at, um, 11,165, uh, so about 80% full, 90, I don't know what that, actually, I'm not going to try to do that math off the top of my head, Patrick, but yeah, there's about 13,000 seats in there, so so for, for people wondering, they can try to figure that out on, on their own, um, but but yeah, I think offensively, they did fine, that's why they got the scoring from a handful of people, but defensively, it, it just wasn't their night, and that's why you see a, a double-digit loss. Let's talk about Caleb Boone for a second, and and we've talked about him before on this podcast. They were they were feeding him early. He he got going a little early. Had a great you know first half. Uh, ended up with a career high twenty seven, but sort of cooled off in the second half. They they it seemed like they weren't going to him quite as much. What did you see from Caleb? Yeah, I mean, Caleb Boone, we talk about it almost every week. I think if there's a guy you're going to bet on, one, one of the most kind of unstoppable players in college basketball right now, it's Caleb Boone because you just throw it down to him down low, let him work his magic and, and get some points up. And the other thing is Kansas fell into foul trouble early down low. Uh, K.J. Adams got into foul trouble. They're starting down low. Uh, Kevin McCuller, Ernest Uday fouled out. Th th they ran into some problems there, and so they couldn't – I don't think they could have been as aggressive as they wanted with, with somebody like him. And that's why you see 27 points. And he was really what was kind of keeping them in the game late. Uh, him and John Michael Wright. John Michael Wright, Patrick, 18 points, 
All of them came off threes. He made six threes last night. The, the, that final 11 minutes, I kept track of, of, of how the score changed. And it was between 10 points. The, the deficit for OSU was between 10 points. John Michael Wright would hit a three, down to seven points. Kansas would get, uh, you know, just, just a field goal. OSU would turn it over, back up to double digits. So it just was this weird. It just kept going back and forth, back and forth. Nobody was really making any headway until uh, until the final minutes. And that's kind of when Kansas pulled away. But, uh, yeah, Caleb Boone, it's his the third time this year he has set a new career high, Patrick. Right? That's, a, that, that's an incredible stat. Um, I, I think they're still trying to learn, especially against a top team like Kansas. They're still trying to learn how to play without Avery Anderson. And mm -hmm. I think they would have greatly benefited from having Avery Anderson, not for his scoring, but for his defense um, last night. But I think it's still a work in progress. They're still trying to figure it out, and they have some a little bit of time before postseason play comes around. But I think it showed that they're not quite there yet on figuring out how to play without him. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, well, kind of in that same vein, let's talk about Bryce Thompson. Uh, in the early going, he was looking for a shot. He kind of had – he hit an early three. He had the mid-range game going. Uh, but in the second half, he kind of quieted down a little bit. What, what's going on with him? It's a weird trend, Patrick. This has happened. This is not the first time that Bryce Thompson has put together a great first half and kind of struggled in the second half. Um, Mike Boynton kind of attributes it to, to him maybe needing to – they need to work him into the offense and, and give him better looks in the second half, maybe have him drive to the basket, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, 14 points in the first half. Only three points in the second half from him uh, last night, and all, all of those came from the, the free throw line. Um, and and even, even if we go back to last week when they were playing Texas Tech, he had 21 points in the first half, Patrick, yep. and his career high is 23. So I was writing my story. I said, oh, man, Bryce Thompson is going to set a new career high. They're going to beat Texas Tech. Well, he didn't score at all in the second half. He stayed at 21. That, that career high did not get uh, – adjusted for him and so it's, so it's a weird trend and and we can even go back further and further in the back into the season and, and there's a couple incidents where this has happened so it, it it's an odd trend I, I think Mike Boynton attributes it to just you know they they need to change how they get him looks and how they adjust to how defenses adjust to him in the second half yeah what was the uh well hold on before we I was going to ask you about the about the crowd and it, it's always so hard to tell on TV just how loud it is. Let's come to that in a second. Uh, what does this mean for OSU's NCAA implications? Not that a loss to the fifth-ranked team in the country is going to hurt you a lot, but but in the big picture, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think this has a minimal effect um, because, like you did say, Patrick, it's the fifth-ranked team. I think it might there might be some questions raised that they couldn't get this done at home, especially with the offensive production they had last night. Um, but if we look at, I'm, I'm a big fan of Joe Lenardi, or Joe Lenardi, excuse me, um, and, and his bracketology, and, and I always think it's pretty accurate year by year. Uh, so, so yesterday he had OSU as a as an eight seed playing against Arkansas um, in the Midwest region. Uh, this loss might drop OSU down to a nine seed, a ten seed maybe. Um, but but there's still ample opportunity for OSU to get back up in, into that that eight seed, maybe even go up to a seven seed conversation. Who knows uh, when 
you know, they've got ranked opponents still in TCU, Baylor, Kansas State. Although, who knows, Patrick, Kansas State has now dropped two bad games to mm-hmm. Texas Tech and, and Oklahoma last night. Um, so, regardless, there's still some opportunity for OSU. I don't think this affects them terribly because Kansas is just a really good basketball team this year, Patrick. Or every year they're a good basketball team, but we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, I don't think this has major implications in terms of it's not going to put them back on the bubble. If they drop a couple other games, it might throw them back on the bubble. But I'd say for now, they're pretty safely off from that. Let's go back to what you said about learning to play without Avery Anderson. Like what what has to happen there for OSU to kind of learn to play without Avery Anderson? Yeah, I think they probably go about it the right way. I think they they use a uh, committee of players to fill in his time because Avery Anderson is somebody who would average 30 minutes a game, you know, and and I think he was around 11 and a half points a game is what he'd average. So that's hard to find just one guy to to replicate that. And they've shown some success, other times not so much. Um, With that, this is now, I guess, the third game without him. You know, Caleb Ashbury, he takes Avery Anderson's starting spot. You get Chris Harris Jr. in there, uh, Keon Williams. It, 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 it's a, it's just kind of a committee. They, they try to – they use a committee to try to equal his production, and it works. Sometimes it works better than, than others. You know, last night, Chris Harris Jr. with, uh, you know, no points for him. Uh, Woody Newton only had two points. You know, at, at halftime, Patrick, Caleb Boone, Bryce Thompson, and John Michael Wright combined for 36 of OSU's 37 points. That's hard to do. That, that that's, a, that, that's a hard thing for three guys to do in college basketball, um, let alone against a Kansas team. So I, I think it's just, it's just about getting some of those guys comfortable who are not used to being in that starting role or not being in, in, in that larger role where you're playing maybe – Maybe you go from playing eight to ten minutes a game to now playing fifteen to twenty. Um, that's a hard thing to adjust to and and get comfortable with. And and so I think that that that's all that this is going to be and what it's going to take from them. But there's a little bit of time left to to figure that out during the season. Um, and I, I guess ideally you'd probably want to be comfortable with that by Big Twelve tournament time. Sure. So he's officially listed as out indefinitely. Uh, do we know anything more? Like, is it possible we'll see him this season? Um, nothing official on that, Patrick. I would say it's probably unlikely. Okay. Just, just based on the injury and and you know, I I don't like to play doctor, Patrick, but it, I would assume that that's going to take a little bit after having surgery on your wrist. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so what about the atmosphere last night? Yeah, I, I said it earlier. I think that's probably the most full I've ever seen Gallagher Iba since I've been covering OSU. Um, the number looks right for probably the highest it's been in a couple of years. I would say, though, that there was a, a healthy amount of Kansas fans there. There was a little more blue than I thought I'd see. Um, they, they traveled pretty well, I would say. Overall, though, I, I you, you know, Patrick, you can probably speak to it, too. You were around during the, the glory days of OSU basketball. You probably can – you probably have some crazy Gallagher-Iba stories. I, I assume it's what that kind of vintage GIA feel was, is, is what you saw last night. Well, here's how you tell. Were, did your, were your ears ringing when you walked out? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, that, that's good because, you know, used to be in the Eddie Sutton days, you would leave every game with your ears ringing. There's, there's, a, there's an ear ring at the end of it. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk a little wrestling. Uh, they've got Bedlam. We're, we're taping this on a Wednesday. Um, Bedlam's tomorrow night in Stillwater, correct? Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. in Stillwater. Um, obviously, they do home and home every year. Uh, and so you're going to see that they won last, they won last, uh, last meeting back in December, 21 to 15 on a pin uh, in the final match. And, and so you're going to grab that and then they're going to go up to Iowa City on uh, Sunday. They wrestled the Hawkeyes. Um, so that'll be a great match, especially now that OSU's kind of worked back into the top 10. They're ranked number sixth right now um, in the NWCA team rankings um and, and so they're kind of they're hitting their stride when we talk about hitting your stride toward the end of the season that they're, they're one of those teams doing it yeah and of course we want to remind people that uh Tulsa is hosting the Big 12 wrestling championships at the BOK Center as well as the NCAA championships uh both of those are in March so uh pretty cool events coming to coming to Tulsa Dean what else is on your mind anything anything else going on today you got any interesting stories coming up you want to remind people of well, I, I just want to let, let the folks know that over the next couple of weeks is uh, we're going to have some good wrestling coverage, good wrestling stories leading up to, as you brought up, Patrick, some pretty big events going on in downtown Tulsa uh, come March. So I, I I implore people to to be look on the lookout for those and, and give give those a read. Um, then, of course, baseball and softball, we're kicking it. We had all kinds of sports going on, Patrick, and so that means a lot of content and a lot of coverage. That's right. Now, you are you trying to kind of do a little update on Dayton Fix? Is that correct? Maybe leading up to the Big Twelve. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping to have a, a pretty hefty story on Dayton Fix. Um, let folks, you know, learn a little bit about them. So let me tell you my Dayton Fix story, okay? Let's hear it, Patrick. So he came in. How many ever years ago it was to the newsroom for All World? He was taking an All World portrait. Uh, we we bring in all the all world guys, have them do a questionnaire, you know, take some photos. Um, and usually some people around the newsroom would recognize certain people, not not many, but but some. And they maybe come say hello or whatever. Well, when Dayton Fix came to the newsroom, there were several people who really weren't necessarily wrestling fans per se, but they knew who Dayton Fix was, even in high school. And several people walked over, and I believe is, I'm not sure who was with him that day, a parent maybe, um, but several people walked over and wanted, wanted to meet Dayton Fix. And, uh, and what I remember about that, he was so nice and humble and just, I always root for Dayton Fix after meeting him that day because he was just so nice, so humble, so appreciative and, and warm. Um you know, sometimes you never know what you're going to get with a high school kid. And, yeah. you know, well, I'm not being judgy. I mean, that's just, you know, we were all high school kids once. We we all remember how we were sometimes, you know. Um, but he was just just awesome. He was just so cool and, like I said, warm and kind and, you know, thankful and really enjoyed kind of meeting everybody. Yeah. It was it was the same way that Malcolm Rodriguez was at the first All, War, All World Awards dinner. Um, I went and had to wrangle him for an interview with Barry Lewis, and I had to interrupt his his dinner. It was our first show. We were kind of feeling out some details, so I just, 
Yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry to interrupt your, you know, salad, but can you come sit and he was so nice. And it's like, Oh, of course. And he was sitting with his whole family, you know, and I made him get up and walk out of the room and go do an interview. And he was just so nice and warm. So anyway, that's my one little date and fix story. So I, it's always nice to see athletes like that who were just so tenacious and talented and good, but off the court or off the field, whatever, they're just kind of normal guys and warm and nice and friendly. And he was, anyway, he was real friendly. So I always kind of root for date and fix for because of that. It's a great story, Patrick. Really? It, it wasn't too long. I feel like it was a little long. No, it was perfect. My wife tells me I'm a terrible storyteller. She tells me me I bury the lead in every story I tell. I'm like, it's pretty sad when my wife is telling me, is giving me journalism tips and using terms like bury the lead. I'm like, that's maybe she's right. Maybe I need to. Never bury the lead. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate everybody checking us out. Dean and I usually come at you once a week. Uh, We'll talk next week. You can download us for free at Google, Apple, or Spotify. Dean, always appreciate the knowledge and we'll talk soon. Of course.